Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Salat was Salam wa Ashafil Ambiya Ibn Salim, Sayyidina Wanabina Muhammadi wa Alihi wa Sahihi Ajma'in, Woman Tabiahum Bihsan in Layomidin, Ama Badu Fa'an Abi Sayyid, Sad ibn Malik ibn Sinan al Khudri, Radi Allahu Anhu, Anna Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam akal, La Dorara wa La Dorar, Hadithun Hassan, Rawah ibn Majah wa Darukutni wa Riruhum and Musnadan, Rawahu Malik, Film Muatta. عن عمرو بن يحيى عن ابيه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مرسلا فاسقط ابا سعيد وله طرق يقوى بعضها ببعض الحمد لله brothers and sisters we're continuing with these 40 hadith of imam al-nawawi and this compilation of imam al-nawawi the theme of this compilation is all of those hadith and all of those matters that are the fundamental principles of our faith and as I mentioned previously, I say this at the beginning of every dars, is that there are certain things in our deen as Muslims that it is not appropriate for us to be unmindful and unaware of. You understand? There are certain matters that every single one of us should necessarily know. And not knowing it, it will definitely cause us harm. And not knowing it will definitely bring various issues and difficulties in life. And I'll give an example why this is important. Is that a person living in the United States, there are certain laws that is necessary for you to know. As a driver, it's necessary for you to know what a stop sign means, what a red light means, what a yellow light, what a green light means. Now a person comes and he's sitting, you know, at the driver's seat and he's driving and he runs past the red light a police officer stops him and then he says oh police officer I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry why are you stopping me so well, you ran a red light so yeah so so what's the big deal they said well don't you know the law of the red light they said uh, no I don't know what's the law of the, the red light means you have to stop so oh so sorry officer I, I didn't know now just this statement guys Focus, focus. This statement, I'm sorry I didn't know. Is that acceptable? There might be a very, very merciful police officer. I highly doubt that, that you'll come. Sometimes they're nice. It depends on the mood. It depends on how many, you know, that they fulfill their quota for that month. But telling a police officer that I'm sorry, officer, I didn't know that a red light means stop. And I'm sorry, officer, I didn't know that a stop sign means stop. And I went through it. If a person is so ignorant to not know that, and I, I doubt that, but I'm just saying, hypothetically, this is a hypothetical situation. Let's just say that there's a person that he does say that, and he goes through the light, and he says, I don't know what is a green light, and I don't know what is a red light, and I don't know what is a yellow light. I don't know what this means. Please don't give me a ticket or please don't take me to jail, or whatever the case may be. Is this, is ignorance an acceptable excuse? In the law of the land, I'm asking you. Is ignorance an, accept, an acceptable excuse? It's not. It's not acceptable in the law of justice that a person lives in a country and he doesn't know the law and he's breaking the law and in breaking of the law, what are you actually doing? And this is going to be the topic of discussion here. In the breaking of a law, you're actually harming yourself and you're putting other people in harm's way. When a person's running through the red light, what are you doing? 
You're actually doing something that is dangerous. You deserve to get a ticket. You deserve maybe worse than that because there have been people who are pedestrians crossing the road and a person runs a red light and you kill a person. You kill somebody who's a biker. You kill somebody who's bicycling. Maybe a young child that's walking to school. Maybe a mother who's taking the baby in a stroller and you go through that red light and you kill somebody. You deserve that ticket. You deserve to be punished. Am I right or am I wrong? So understand that laws, rules, regulations, they are established for a reason. Rules, laws, regulations are established for a reason. Sometimes they're established for the safety of people. Sometimes they're established for the betterment of the community. Now understand this. Let's go back. Do everybody understood this example? As a police officer, what would you say to somebody who says, I actually did not know that a stop sign means a stop sign. I did not know that a red light. Please forgive me, officer. I did not know that you shouldn't even have a license. Go back to the, the DMV or go back to driving school or back to, go back to wherever you need to go to to learn the laws and then earn your license again. True or false? I'm not saying anything unreasonable, am I? Am I being unjust? So now understand, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something is halal, something is haram. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the qanun, what is the qanun? What is our law? Quran, the book of Allah and the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Now a person lives their life. I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. This is what everybody's saying now. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know this and I didn't know that. Understand that there is one creator who created everything. That one Lord and that one creator revealed scriptures to humanity. He revealed the Torah to Moses. He revealed the Psalms to David. He revealed the, the Injil, the Gospels to Jesus Christ. And he revealed the Quran to Sayyidina Muhammad, the last testament, the last revelation to mankind. Why? So humanity will not say we didn't know. So humanity won't say this, that we didn't know. You have a creator, and that creator, if he did create this whole universe, and nothing can come out on its own. If I tell you this, I'm just going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. If I tell you, you know, this building right here, just sticks and, 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 and slabs of marble and bricks and everything just came together. And then these beautiful stained glass windows, just they appeared, they were flying in the air. And then all of it just assembled like, you know, X-Men, just everything just started like, Professor X was just putting everything. Even there, you Professor X, let's get Professor X out of here. There was no Professor X. It just all of a sudden, everything just started to come together on its own. And that's how, and the carpets just came out of nowhere. And you know, these lights just appeared. Just, it happened, it was energy. It was a big bang. The big bang and the energy just brought this whole place, this beautiful place together. What would you say? Come on, man, you're crazy. I won't believe a single thing you're telling me. So how can you, how can you accept that this whole universe, in the glory and the beauty and the intricacy, if the, if the sun comes an inch closer to this earth or the earth goes an inch closer to the sun, we completely burn. How is it this intricacy, right, this preciseness, this beauty, this system, this order in the universe, how can it be without a designer? So that designer now, if he's gonna have, there's order in everything. There's a system in everything. Everything is organized, but this human being is not organized. The universe, the solar systems, the planets, the moon, the sun, the everything, the stars, everything is in a kullum, uh, kullu, uh, 
كُلٌّ فِي فَلَكٍ يَسْبَحُونَ Every planet and every celestial body is flowing in its motion. One does not outdo the other. لَالشَّمْسُ يَنْبَغِي لَهَا أَنْ تُدْرِكَ الْقَمَرَ وَلَا اللَّيْلُ سَابِقُ النَّهَارِ The sun does not outdo the moon. Oh, the sun didn't come up today, guys. Sorry, oh, the sun forgot to come up today. The moon, moon forgot. Moon, moon, where, where's the moon? Everybody, call the moon. Oh, the moon, we, we, need, we need somebody to fix the moon. The moon didn't come. Hey, you know, where's, where's the fix man? Where's the, where's, the, where's the handyman? The moon didn't come out today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the sun does not outdo the moon and the moon does not outdo the sun. Kullun fi falakin yasbahoon. The day does not outdo the night and the night does not outdo the day. It is in a perfect precision and a perfect order. Everything that we see in the macrocosm is in perfect order so that we realize that this microcosm, which is a, the smaller world that's within you, how can this be without no order? How can this be without guidance? How can this be without a plan and without a purpose and without an objective and without a, a, a direction? That doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. I don't, care who, I don't care how high that scientist is. You don't make sense, brother. I don't care how big of a scientist you are, if you're Hawkins or Dawkins. I don't, know who, I don't care who you are. What you say completely is illogical because you're talking about, I have to use my brain. I have to use logic. Show me, the, show me the logic in that, that everything has order. But here we don't have order? I'm sorry. This doesn't make sense to me. Everything has order. But this human being, you have the nervous system. You have the circulatory system. You know, doctors are sitting here. Forgive me for my uh, audacity. But you have all of these various different systems within the body. And the most amazing, astounding machine that exists is this human system. And everything has a system. But this human being doesn't have a system. No, it's because you're too prideful and you're too arrogant to admit that there's one creator because you don't want to submit. That's basically what it is. These same scientists, you know what they're saying? It could have been aliens who created us. It could have been. Like they don't accept a master creator, a designer who is transcendent, who is all-powerful. They will not accept that, but they will accept what? They will accept that it could have been Crickets in a hot pond flo floating on bubbles in the back of like some, you know, beetles or something. Like they'll say some ajeeb things that these Hawkins and Dawkins are saying and you'll be mind-boggled. How can a person who's so rational and he's such a scientist, he just pulls something out of his right pocket and just makes it up. Just, just makes, maybe just makes stuff up, literally. So with that being said, we're talking about the order in this world and the order in this universe and that it is not acceptable for us to remain ignorant the, the scholars mention that a person has come to this world it is binding upon person who lives in this existence to think that all of this didn't come out of nowhere it came out we're all here why are we not like apes in the jungle and why are we not like the zebras in the you know in the plains why, 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 what's different about us? Why do we have compassion? Why do we have generosity? Why, why do we have these things? Why aren't we like them? It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, they say, right? But we're not like dogs, though. You don't see dogs building Empire State Building. Should have been somewhere. I don't see it. There's an intelligence, and there's a, there's a, there's a mindfulness, and there's a soul, 
and there's a guidance that human beings have that animals do not. Why? I'm asking why. It's because human beings have been brought to this world for a purpose. That purpose has been defined by their creator. To, to, to be thinking about that is very, very important. That you come to this world, it is necessary. Yajibu. Yajibu ala kulli mukallaf ma'rifatullahi ta'ala. It is wajib upon every human being, a responsible human being, to think and ponder over this. Does mankind think that they're just left to wander aimlessly? Allah says in the Quran, Does human beings think that they've just been left on this earth to just wander aimlessly with no purpose? No, there is a very, very great purpose for this. Do you think that we created you just in vain, for nothing? We created you a play for amusement. Is that what you're here for? And that you will not come back to us? Glory be to that Lord who is the truth. And He created you for a truth. He created you for a purpose. This world is not without laws. This world is not like, well, I feel like being a dolphin today, actually. That's just, today I'm a dolphin, maybe tomorrow I'll feel like a wolf. Maybe tomorrow I feel like a man, but right now I feel like a girl. Maybe I'll feel like a, you know, five-year-old tomorrow, and then a week later I'll feel like, you know, maybe I'm a porcupine. I don't know. I just feel like something. Is this what it is? This is what you've been left to become? This madness? This is, this is the madness. This is what happens when a person does not have divine guidance. Who can tell me this is logical for God's sake? This is logical. This makes sense. For God's sake, wake up, smack out of it. Wake up and smell the coffee. This is, are you, this is for real? So my dear brothers and sisters, we are blessed. We are blessed that we are not confused. Why? Why are we not confused? We have guidance. المستقيم, oh Allah, in every prayer, what do Muslims pray? What do Muslims pray in every prayer? Oh Allah, guide us on the straight path. That straight path, the path of guidance, the path that we, we, we are not confused. We have the Quran and we have the way of the prophets. This was not made by the Prophet Muhammad. Every Muslim believes in Jesus. Jesus is a prophet of Islam. Muhammad, peace be upon him, what did he do? He's the continuation of the teachings of the prophets. That's all he did. He completed that brick. When somebody wants to know who is Muhammad, I'll tell you who is Muhammad. The Prophet himself said, he said, imagine a house, a very beautiful house with very, very intricate bricks, except there's one spot that there is a missing brick. And somebody comes and he places that brick and it makes that whole building beautiful and complete. He said, that building is this deen, is this religion, is this faith, is this path. The path of submission to God from the time of Adam to the time of the Prophet Muhammad. He said that faith, that, that building is this faith of submission. We don't worship no human beings. We're no monkey worshippers or human worshippers. We don't worship a man nailed to a cross. That's not what Muslims are. We worship the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, not a man nailed to the cross. Because if he was God, then he would have helped himself. But what is it that... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this the final, final testament, the final book, and the Prophet Muhammad is that brick. He has the final brick in that building. 
He is that final brick that completes the building. So this is nothing new. But this is the final testament and it is the last law and the last teachings that will be for mankind till the day of judgment. So with that being said, what I was speaking about was there are certain laws and there are certain rules and there are certain principles of this world that are indispensable. You can't do without it. You can't say, well, well, I, well I didn't know that there was a God. Well, you didn't know there was a God? You know that there's a maker of this building? You know that this building can't come out on its own? You know that when you look at the car that you're driving and you know that the one, who's, the one who made this car is not a car? The one who made this house, this, this building is not a building? And the one who made this human being cannot be another human being. He's an almighty creator that is something completely opposite to what, who we are or what we are. He's beyond, he is transcendent, he is beyond. Whatever you imagine him, he is above and beyond that. Whatever you think him to be, he is above and beyond and transcendent of that. Our understanding cannot comprehend that. But what he is, he is the one true creator and master of this entire world. And he will judge us. And he will ask us about every single thing that we did. And this is not an excuse. I did not know. This is what I want to drive home to everybody today. That there's rules, there's regulations, there's principles. And the common sense, just like the common sense of running that red light. Oh, but I didn't know. No, there's, it's not acceptable for you not to know. Just like in the law of the land that you're living in, it's not acceptable for you to say, I didn't know. Similarly, in the law of this world that you're living in, the law of this world that you're living in, there are, there's, there's rules. There's rules. There's regulations. All of any sanity and any order that is in civilized society that comes from the divine order. Look at civil society today. Where do you think all of this comes from? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. All of the Ten Commandments. Law and order actually came from above. It didn't come from human societies. Where did it come from? Law and order. Where did it come from? It came from us. Uga booga. Hit somebody else on the head. Drag him inside your cave. That's where, that's where, that's where their law and order says. That's what, that's what evolution tells us. Uga booga. Smash somebody else's wife on the head. Drag her by the hair. Bring it inside my cave. She belongs to me now. And people who don't, listen, people who don't believe in revelation, that is how they live. Look at their lives. They look at their lives. This is their lives. They live like cavemen. I take your wife, you take my wife, then we fight over it, and I punch your face in, and I get drunk, and then, oh, I was drunk, I slept with somebody else's. What the heck is going on here? They live like cavemen. No revelation, no law, no guidance, no God, no prophet. Just nafs, just me, myself, and I. I get high, I get drunk, I sleep with who I want, I live with who I want, I eat what I want, I drink what I want. Nobody can tell me. Who are you? Saying to him, his own mother and father, due to which he lives on this earth, because of whom he is alive, who are you to tell me? What do you mean, who are you to tell me? I'm your mother and father, you live under my roof. That, you wouldn't even be here if it, was, it wasn't for me. What are you talking about? Somebody saying to their own mother and father, I see this almost every day. A person saying to his own mother and father, Psh, <laughs> you're telling me, getting angry, yelling at their mom, yelling at their dad. I see this almost every single day with kids. You don't understand what is, what, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is God's law? Why he's not doing that? He doesn't follow Allah's law. He's following his nafs. He's following his desire. He's taking his own desire as a God. 
And that's what people want. That's why Islam is difficult for people. That's why people don't want to accept Islam or accept the faith or accept God because it's much easier to just follow your desires. It's easier, but it ain't fun. That lifestyle is a lifestyle which your life becomes hell on earth when you don't have law, when you don't have order, when you don't have a divine system, when you don't have God, when you don't have prophet. When you don't have these things, what happens? Look at the people's lives. It's complete confusion. Mothers are sad. Fathers are sad. You have people, I mean, look at what Islam teaches us. That when your parents, Look at what the Quran teaches about your old parents. What happens in this country or in places, in this country, wherever, wherever people don't have divine guidance, what happens? Oh, I don't need to take care of these old people. There's actually in certain countries a hotline for old people so that when they have nobody to talk to, they actually call that hotline to hear the voice of a human being because they don't have, they don't have somebody who cares for them. Their children have left them. Their family has left them. There's no relationship between brothers and sisters and family. So you have this hotline. And this, what, this is actually in England that's happening. I read this article in the New York Times. Is that they have, now they have made a hotline where an elderly man or an elderly woman who are living alone from government subsidies, they could just give that number a call and they could just hear and talk to a human being because the lady said, and the, the, the article did an interview of an elderly lady who's in her 80s, said, my, parent, my, my kids, I have four kids, two daughters, two sons, and they have, gone, they have gone away, they're with their own families, and I guess they just don't have time. A couple of years ago, maybe five or ten years ago, I don't remember, they used to visit me for Christmas, and they used to visit me for Easter, but now that also has come to an end. Maybe I think I'm a little bit burdensome for them. But I know that everybody has their own life and people go on. So what have they created, these, these, this, these societies? They have what? They have numbers and hotlines where these people can just call because they say that after a long period of time, he said, there's been three years that I have not talked to anybody in person, an actual person. And, he said, and she said, it's so wonderful that we have people from the government that, you know, they bring us our groceries and they help us here and there, but actual having a conversation has been like, can you imagine, three years, like, what is that? And probably their kids live in like the same city as them. Here, right, right, down, the, right down the street, right down the street, uh, somebody told us that there's an elderly woman and said that my son uh, or my daughter hasn't seen me in like couple of years and he lives literally on the same street yeah you guys are shocked you know maybe it's shocking but what I'm, I'm asking all of you like why wouldn't people do that though why would I have a liability on myself keep an old person in my house what what requires me to take care of a person like that what requires me to 
to, to see a person. What requires me to be kind to a person? I got my own life. I don't care about what, what, what you're doing. You gave birth to me. I'm done. You fulfilled your responsibility to me. It's over. Like, why do I need to do anything for you? For what? If it wasn't for that divine law, if it wasn't for that, that system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God commanded us, I don't need any other reason. Do you know how great this is? My dear brothers and sisters, those who have the faith, you, all, you should all think about how blessed it is to have faith because when you don't, these type of things like, why should I even do it? You don't, you don't even think, you just do it because you're a Muslim. It's the barakat of iman. But there are certain people, there's, there's no reason for me to do that. Why should, I even, why should I even call my mom? Why should I even talk to my dad? Why should I even take care of them? For what? Did they teach that, did they teach that to you in school? That you have to do that? The Quran teaches that to you. If one of them or both of them become old and they come at this age, that they're old now, one of them or both of them, then do not say oof to them. Do not even say oof. We say a thousand things worse than that. We cuss them out. We yell at them. Do not rebuke them. And say to them a kind word. And lower your wing of mercy for them. And make dua for them. Pray for them. What is this? Where, this law is an amazing law. So with that being said, is that these are those laws that protect us from harm. These are those laws that give us benefit and guarantee us benefit and protect us from harms. This is why Allah Ta'ala has made this. And I tell many of our Afghan elders, I say this to my Afghan elders, my elders who, they came to this country for a better life. There was war, there was fighting, there was killing. And I understand, you came here to protect yourself from that. But you did not give focus to the deen. So what, what a lot of our elders did, they thought that, you know, just like in Afghanistan, they grew up. And, you know, they had culture, they had respect for their elders, they prayed, they understood the, the value of things. They knew their elders, they knew youngsters, they know family, they know relations, right? A thousand, maybe one millennium, maybe a hundred years, hundreds of generations of Muslims in your progeny, it's in your blood. But the, the, but the kids that grow up here, when you leave them, when you leave them, and this is the biggest mistake that I say to my, to my elders. When you leave your kids and you think that they're going to grow up on what you grew up on, you're making a big mistake. When you leave your kids and you just let them float around, what do you think that they're going to get from the society? What do you think they're going to benefit from? They're going to become exactly what the society teaches. And what does the society here teach? What does the society here teach? It's all about this. It's all about you. Whatever you want. Whatever you feel like. You want to take care of your parents? Take care of them. You want to tell them? Then you, you, you know what to do. Right? As long as you're not killing anybody. As long as you're not hurting anybody. That's the most important thing. Then fulfill whatever is your desire. If you feel like a dolphin, I'll call you a dolphin. If you feel like a, you know, a, a, you know, a puppy, you call yourself a Rottweiler, I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. Whatever you want. This is, this, is the, this is the culture. It's the cult of the self. Worshipping the idol of the self. This is, this is what it is. It's the idol worship of the self. With, 
with that being said, the most important thing for us is to be, the, my, all of what I'm saying is for us to understand how valuable it is that we have these laws, for, for how valuable it is for us to have the Quran and the Hadith. Many of, peop, many of us, they, we look at these things and what do we think? Oh, this is such a burden. <sighs> I have to be good to my parents. Oh my God, I have to pray. Oh my God, I have to give charity. Charity? Oh, total. Charity is the worst. Give money to poor people? Oh my God. What type of religion is this? Thank my creator five times a day for giving me all these blessings? Oh my God. Five times a day? Because you're so accustomed to just worshiping the self. Submission is, 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 like, is, submission is like hell. But submission is what will set you free. Submission is what will guarantee that will give you benefit and save others from harm. And this is where the hadith of the Prophet comes in. This is hadith number 32, which is narrated by Abi, Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu, a very famous companion, who was one of the most honorable of the companions. Min ansar wa He was from the elders of the Ansar and from the honorable chieftains of Ansar. And he was from those who had memorized the Quran and from the scholars amongst the Sahaba, Abu Sa'id Khudri radiallahu anhu. He narrates from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam such a beautiful law that like I said, these are those ahadith that it is not, it's not appropriate for us to be unmindful of them. These are those laws, those rules that we shouldn't be unmindful of. It's indispensable for us to know these laws and to know these rules. What the Prophet said, La darara wa la dirar. There is no harm. Do not give harm to yourself, nor do harm to others. Do not bring about harm to yourself, nor bring harm upon others. We were talking to a, a friend and a brother today who was talking about a person who said, I'm not hurting anybody. If I drink a little bit of alcohol because I'm going through difficulty and I'm just in my house and I drink, I'm not harming anybody. I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. But according to this hadith, what did the Prophet say? Do not bring about harm upon yourself nor bring about harm to others. This is the law of Allah Ta'ala. And when you think that I'm not doing anything wrong, the command of the Prophet is that this body does not belong to you. Whether it be smoking, whether it be drinking, whether it be other types of harmful lifestyles that people have. This hadith of the Prophet is emphatic that whether upon yourself or whether upon someone else, causing harm is haram. I always say this, remember, haram, drop off the last A, harm. Haram. H-A-R-A-M. Drop off the last A, is harm. Anything that causes harm is haram. Very simple. This is the hadith, what the, this is what this hadith is telling us. Anything that causes you harm is haram. Somebody might ask, well, you know, well, smoking doesn't intoxicate you, or smoking, it doesn't do this, but you're, you're taking smoke into your lungs, bro. Like, smoke don't belong in your lungs. Smoke is toxic. Smoke is hurtful. Smoke is, it doesn't belong in your chest. You know? All of these things that cause harm to you 
is not permissible. And any way that you would cause harm upon someone else is also not permissible. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned this. It's a very short hadith, but it is a rule and a principle of Islam and is applicable in every situation. So this tells us something very, very important, that a believer, a believer, part of your life, part of your focus, part of your daily intention. When we wake up in the morning, what are the intentions that we make? It's very important that you wake up and every day should not just be like any day. Some of us wake up in the morning, it's like another day, another dollar. Wow, wonderful. That's great. Really meaningful life you have. Right? So basically, when you don't have that, then there's no meaning to your life. Again, that's the culture of the self. Right? It's the cult of the self. It's the worship of the self. It all goes back to that. Why, why another day, another dollar? So I can worship myself more. That whatever myself asks for, I give it its goodies. Right? And don't, don't think I'm talking about against the necessities of life. Islam teaches us that we fulfill our necessities. We fulfill our rights. Your, your, your home, your family, your bills, your food, your sustenance, all of this falls in the category of the commandment of Allah. I'm not talking about necessities. I'm talking about unlawful pleasures, haram things, extravagance, waste, right? Something that is out of the ordinary, something that is harm, actually harmful those harmful ways of life. So, what was you saying just before this? I lost my track of thought. Yeah, so every day you make an intention. That's what I was saying. The intent, one of the intentions you should, you, we should make that this day, oh Allah, let it be a day which I benefit somebody. Let it be a day in which I help somebody. And let it be a day that if I'm not going to help somebody, I should not harm somebody. Neither myself or anyone else. Subhanallah. This is from the teaching of our mashayikh and from the teachings of our elders. Can somebody turn that on? It's good. Some of those are on and they're like pointed in like some other direction. Like put it in the right direction. Is that on? Is a jinn sitting there or what? Put it in the right direction. Bring it close. Yeah. No, so everybody can take it. Everybody can benefit from it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's a little bit better. It's like facing the wall. One is facing the wall. One is facing jinn. When you know that this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, this prophetic advice, don't cause harm. If you can't benefit somebody, don't harm somebody. Some people wake up, from the time that they wake up in the morning, they're thinking about who I can, who, just come, drama, who I can fight with, who I can yell at, whining, complaining, complaining on their, about their mom. Why does you don't cook me this? Why you don't have me this? Why you don't give me this? Constantly whining, constantly complaining, you're causing harm. Everyone around you doesn't like you. Why? Because you're whining, you're complaining, you're causing harm to other people. Don't be a cause of harm for others. Even if it's in the slightest way. Sometimes we go to the bathroom and we leave the bathroom with, you know, some gift for the next one to come. 
you see that there's a smell, turn on the exhaust, right? Give it a little spray, leave a little exhaust, clean the toilet seat for the next person that's coming. Flush, that would be wonderful for the next person who's coming. Like these are just common things. Don't cause harm upon others. Don't allow harm to come upon yourself. Anything that you see that's harmful in your life, slowly, slowly remove those things that are harmful from your life. And don't be a cause of harm for other people. Even in the slightest things, you see that somebody's sandals are there. Oh, wonderful. Somebody just placed their sandals right here. Perfect for me. So I can go and use these sandals to make wudu. You go and you put a nice little soggy gift inside both sandals for that person. And you park it right back in that place thinking I've done such a wonderful thing. And the next person comes, he puts his feet inside with socks. He puts his feet inside of the soggy sandals. You're causing harm. Unfortunately, a lot of these things, they are related to upbringing. That is why no matter what, you have a 40-year-old ahmaq that my age, right? That person, no matter how much you tell him these ahadith, but because he was brought up in that particular way, the mother or the father did not teach them, did not bring them up, did not reprimand them of bringing about harm, and they just raised up like weeds. So they continue to become a source of harm. You go, some of the dirtiest places I've ever seen are the, are the toilets at the masajid. Urine on the walls. Not, I'm not talking about like, okay, fine, it's on the floor. I'm talking about on the walls. What, what is going on? It's upbringing. And this is very, very important. When we talk about, you know, these kids are so bad, these kids have such a bad this, and they have a bad that, and they have a bad that, it has a lot to do with parents. 90% of the time. There's 10%, there's some issues that are going on there, without a doubt. But 90% of the time, it's that the parents themselves don't have these adab. They don't have this etiquette. They don't have a proper nurturing. They don't have a proper upbringing. So what do they do? They pass that down to their kids. And those kids pass it down because nobody teaches you how to be a dad. You learn how to be a dad from the way you saw your dad. If your dad was beating up your mom, most likely, you know, when you get mad, then you might also do the same. I'm not saying, it, 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 you know, some people, they say, I'm going to stop this crazy cycle right here on the spot. But then, you, you know, you saw, okay, she yells and this is how I respond with the fist. Well, that's what you saw. That was kind of absorbed and recorded in your psyche and in your innermost emotion. So it like naturally comes out like, where, where did this come out from? Well, that's what was absorbed. That's darar. What the Prophet is talking about, the darar, the harm. And if parents, they say, we're not going to yell in front of our kids. This is going to harm them. I mean, this, this actually, it, it, it goes in every single aspect of our lives, private and public, social and internal. In every aspect of our lives, this darar, especially brothers and sisters in our relationships, beware of causing harm to other people. Remind yourself when you wake up in the morning that I'm not going to cause harm upon another person. I'm going to try my best. See, what are the things that might annoy somebody else? What are the things that might hurt somebody else? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. 
there's a very famous story about one of our mashayikh, Sheikh Ashraf Ali Tanwi, rahimahullah. And at the age of 80, you know, he had you know, severe dysentery. And for those who don't know what dysentery is, dysentery is bloody diarrhea, which basically it, 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 it completely depletes your whole system of all the fluids from your body. And every time basically you go to the bathroom, you're losing water and you're losing blood. So how that leaves you after that, you can imagine, you're completely exhausted, you're completely like, you know, flushed, you're done. So Shaykh, he was a very, very great Shaykh. But remember, Shaykhs, they're not just Shaykhs because of their knowledge. They're Shaykhs because of their character and their akhlaq. And one of the, th one of the things that he used to teach is, do not cause taklif and harm to another believer. This should be the main, your main concern. Never ever cause taklif to another believer. So the Shaykh, that night, he had severe pain in his bowels. And in those times, you didn't have bathroom inside the house. You had to go to the outhouse, outside. Baytul Khala. It's called the Baytul Khala, the outside bathroom. Called the outhouse. That's where people would go to the bathroom in a hole in the ground. And the place where they would have the jug for istinja, it was a well in the middle of the courtyard of the house. So he would fill the jug and the jugs for istinja, for cleaning yourself after, you know, when, you're, when you use the bathroom, they were kept under that, that well with a pump. So he took, and it was three in the morning, and he goes, and you can imagine the pain and the, the difficulty of dysentery. He was completely flushed. Now he has to walk all the way back. So while he's walking back, and he's like five steps away from the back door to enter inside the house, he realized that he left the water jug inside the Beitul Khala, inside the outhouse. And then it, he realized, what if one of the family members in the house, they need to use the bathroom and they don't have the water jug. They don't know where it is. So it's going to cause them, it's going to harm them. It will bother them. It will inconvenience them. So you know what he did? This person who was at the age of 80, suffering from the disease of dysentery, who's completely wasted. He goes back, he says, I, I have to go back and I have to put it in its place because when somebody wakes up to get the, 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 the bottle for Istinja, they're not going to find it there and it's dark and there's no light. And we're talking about he was in the 1800s. He was in the, eight, he was at early 1900s. There's no electricity. He said, where are they going to look for? We have to put it right where, where, where it is by the, by the water pump of the well. So he goes all the way back walking. He gets the jug from the outhouse and while he's bringing it back he collapses right on the spot on the floor of the courtyard he's collapsed he's completely unconscious close to Fajr time when the family comes out to make wudu there's it's Fajr time he was up at 3 in the morning they come at Fajr time and they see that the Shaykh has collapsed on the floor they scream and they said, what happened? He's collapsed on the floor when they brought a little bit of water and they put water on his face. They gave him some water to drink and he came to his senses. They said, why are you on the floor? How come you didn't call us? He said, no, I, I had forgotten the, the jug inside the outhouse and I forgot to place it where it belongs and I did not want anybody to be inconvenienced. He went through all of this. For what reason? I don't want anyone to be inconvenienced. And they kept saying, they're crying and they're saying, why did you do this to yourself? I didn't want anybody to be inconvenienced. Causing inconvenience to a Muslim is haram. This is, just, this is all what he said. 
But my dear brothers and sisters, how, how valuable this advice is, we cannot even emphasize it enough. Some of the things that the Prophet ﷺ has said, that لا يؤمن أحدكم لا يؤمن أحدكم None of you has true faith حتى يأمن جاره بوائقه None of you has true faith until your neighbor is preserved from your harms. Imagine that the Prophet is saying that if you want to have true faith, you have to be somebody that other people are safe from you. In another hadith of Bukhari, the Prophet said, Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadihi. The true Muslim is the one that other people are safe from his tongue and his hands. Who are we now? People are afraid to go near us because of something that we might say. Some people, when you go with them, it's an automatic argument. You know you're going to get in a debate with this guy. You know that you're going to get in an argument with this guy. You know that he's ready to fight. His sleeves are just like, like this. I don't know why it's like constantly just ready to fight. I wake up this morning and I have to look for somebody to fight. I have to look for somebody to argue with. I have to look for somebody to debate with. Why? Why does it have to be that way? Confrontational. Constantly looking for a fight. La darara wa la dirar, my brother. Don't cause harm, neither to yourself nor to others. Try to be a pleasant human being. Try to wake up in the morning with this intention. I am not going to harm anyone with my tongue and hands. Because this is what a true Muslim is. The Prophet did not define a Muslim. The Muslim is the one who prays five times a day and fasts all day and prays all night. Where yes, a pious person does that without a doubt. But when he defined perfection in a Muslim, what did he say? He said, defining perfection in a Muslim. He said, yes, that is a Muslim. We're not denying that he's a Muslim. He's a Muslim. The one who prays and the one who fasts and the one who gives charity, yes, definitely is a Muslim. But what perfects your Islam? That stuff makes you a Muslim. But what is the thing which will perfect your Islam? That other people are safe from you. If they're not safe from you, your Islam has not been perfected. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned that there was a woman. She used to pray all night and fast all day. But she had a cat. And she tied up that cat and caged it and did not give it any food and didn't let it roam by itself so that it can catch its own food. And that cat died inside that cage. That woman who prayed all night and fasted all day, she will go to Jahannam. She will enter into the hellfire. Why? Because she caused harm to a creature of God. This is a very serious matter, my dear brothers and sisters. And it's not just talking about animals. I mean, I'm talking, it's not just talking about human beings. The Prophet talked about animals. Even not causing harm to animals. One time, the young children, Sahaba, they found the nest of a bird and they took that nest and they were playing with the little chicks and the, and the mother, the mother bird came and it was flapping its wings, coming near its children, flapping its wings. The Prophet said, what is this bird doing? What did you guys do? He said, oh, we took some of its chicks and its nest and we took it from the tree and we're just playing with it, Ya Rasulullah. He said, put it back. For verily, Allah Ta'ala curses the one who, 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 who separates the, 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 the babies from its mother. Do not do this. You are causing harm to this creature. Allah curses the one who separates the mother from its child. Look at, look at the words of the Prophet Even not harming animals. Even not harming animals. In another hadith, 
the Prophet ﷺ went into an orchard of an Ansari, of a companion. He went inside this orchard and the camel ran to the Prophet and it put its head down and it started to make moaning noises. This camel started making noises. And the Prophet then was petting it and was caressing the head of this camel until it calmed down. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, who is the owner of this camel? So the, the, the farmer of that orchard came, Ya Rasulullah, that's my camel. He said, the camel just complained to me about you. The camel just complained to me about you. That you put too much weight on its back and you work it and you burden this camel and you don't give it enough food and you don't give it water. Is this true? The Sahabi started crying. He said, Oh Rasulullah, it's true. I apologize. He said, I will buy this camel from you. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I give this camel to you. Why? I would never sell it to you. This camel is a gift to you. He said, and, and I, have let, I, I have bought it from He said, no, I have bought it from you and I have freed this camel. Yani, look at what our Prophet is teaching us. That you're not even supposed to cause harm to an animal. Let alone your mother and father. Let alone your brothers and sisters. Every day we're bothering our parents one way or the other, or our brothers and sisters, or we're looking for a fight, or we wake up making noise and fighting and arguing. Why? Look at what the Prophet is telling us. You're not even supposed to harm an animal. And you're harming what? You're harming your parents and, and the people around you and neighbors and, and, and relatives and all the people around you have a headache because of you something that we have to be very very concerned about because on the day of judgment subhanallah the prophet sallallahu said oh my sahaba do you know who is the muflis from my ummah do you know who is the bankrupt person from my ummah they said ya rasulullah tell us who is the bankrupt person is he the one that has no money he said the bankrupt person of my ummah is not the one who doesn't have any money he said the bankrupt person of my ummah will be the one that on the day of judgment he will have mountains of deeds he will come on the day of judgment and he'll have mountains and mountains of deeds, huge mountains. Charities and fasting and prayers and all these good things, mountains of them. And then people will make line, the line of grievances. And they will say, Ya Allah, this person cursed me. This person hit me. You listening, guys? Listen, this person cursed me. This person hit me. This person stole my money. This person put me down. This person made fun of me. This person smacked me. He abused me. He usurped my wealth. He usurped my land. And they will mention all of their grievances. And what would, the, what would Allah do? Allah will say, okay, give him from your deeds. So this mountain of deeds that's there, they're going to give his charities. How much does he owe you? Oh, he owes me 500, okay? We don't got $500, give him 500 prayers. Give him 500 charities. Give him 500 fasts. And like this, every person will come that was harmed. And what will you say? He said, this person harmed me. This person hit me. This person abused me. This person yelled at me. This person smacked me. He cursed me. He usurped my wealth. And then he'll be left with all those mountains of deeds will be empty and people will still be coming people will still be coming. Ya Allah, you said that this is a day of justice. Where's the justice? I want justice. He hurt me in the world and there was no justice. I want my justice now. So Allah will say, okay, his good deeds are done. Now, 
let's do it this way since he doesn't have any more money to give any more good deeds to give you take your bad deeds and put it on him how about that oh yeah we would love that 500 of your sins he owes you 500 but he doesn't have 500 hasanat take 500 of your sins and put it on him now people are gonna come and that person who stood before Allah on the day of judgment with mountains of deeds now what happens he's going with mountain of sins and he'll be taken and be thrown headlong into the hellfire my dear brothers and sisters this is a serious matter this is this this makes us realize that oh there's something other than just praying and fasting in Islam yes absolutely there's something other than that that we don't cause harm do not cause harm to yourself and do not cause harm to others if inshallah we make this our our slogan our modus operandi every day make this your intention when you wake up in the morning that I will not cause harm. La darara wa la dirar. And the meaning of la darara wa la dirar, very clear statement by the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. Ilhaqu mafsadatin bil That do not bring any mafsada and do not bring any harm on anyone. And Wala dirar has another meaning. It has another meaning also. So do not harm. That's la darar. Don't bring about harm. Wala dirar ilhaqu mafsadatin bihi ala jihatil muqabala. It means that if somebody has done you harm, don't do them harm back. Subhanallah. This is like another meaning that the scholars have mentioned. Unless. This harm is somebody, for example, hit your car. He caused you harm. But this is something of harm that they have inflicted upon you, that Allah has given you the right that you can take, how do you say, um, reparation for that. To repair or to better or to take for the harm that they have caused you, you can ask for your right. But not you go, now, what the meaning of the hadith is then? You can take for reparation to repair the harm that was done but you can't go now that that person hit your car now you take a sledgehammer and say okay I'm gonna show you now and I'm gonna break your head like that type of that type of how do you say retaliation of harm this is not allowed the retaliation that is allowed in the Sharia is that retaliation within the realm of what the Sharia demands which is what right to get mu'awada and daman, like somebody broke your property, somebody comes, you own a store, and somebody damaged your goods, somebody broke, right, and damaged your property. So to take reparation for that, and to take compensation for the damage that was done, that is allowed. But we're talking about here, oh, you came in my store, and you broke that glass, and you punch him in the face. <laughs> that is not allowed in the sharia. You see what I'm saying? So when it says la dirar, yani you do not retaliate or take revenge upon a harm that was taken upon you in the way of revenge. Not in the way which is within the domain of, for example, going to court or taking, you know, through insurance, the person that hits your car to get it repaired. There's nothing wrong with that. that in sharia, it's called daman. 
that harm that he's caused, he's responsible. He is the guarantor of that harm that he has caused upon you. So with that being said, subhanAllah, we see the, 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 the perfection and the justice of the Sharia. And that this is one of the usuls. And we see that in many verses of the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا تُمْسِكُونَ Allah Ta'ala says the word dirar. And do not hold them back. Talking about, right, when divorce is given. Do not hold them back. When you're going to divorce them, then divorce them. Don't withhold them and trap them. وَلَا تُمْسِكُوهُنَّ ضِرَارًا And this is talking about iddatu talaq That when a woman is in her waiting in her duration, what a man does is that, you know, he keeps her all the way, you know, till the end of the, 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 the idda. And he's, you know, forcing her and keeping her and causing darar. And in divorces, a lot of people, they try to do what? They try to like harm one another. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in the matter of divorce, do not bring about harm upon the other individual. Now you have what? Alimony. That you're going to divorce me, so for the entire life, you have to pay my bills, and you have to take completely, this is dirar, this is harm, and this is haram in the sharia, alimony. That as long as that person is alive, she's not even your wife anymore, and you got to continue paying and paying and paying for that person, even though she's the wife of somebody else now. This is dirar. Allah mentions in another verse, وَلَا تُضَارُّهُنَّ لِتُضَيِّقُوا عَلَيْهِنَّ لَا تُضَارُّهُنَّ لِتُضَيِّقُوا عَلَيْهِنَّ And don't bother them in their homes. Like, okay, a man gave divorce to his wife and she's in her waiting period. She should not be kicked out of her home. What people do when they divorce? When they divorce, they kick a woman out of the house. In the, in, in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala has forbidden that. When a man divorces his wife, there's a waiting period after that. She is allowed and she is, must be provided in that house of her husband so that she can prepare her life, she can find a place to go and he has to provide you know, her nafaqa and her sukna and her shelter and her allowance, all of that has to be taken care of. Allah Azza wa Jal says, لا تضاروهن لتضيقوا عليهن This is another word, darar. The word darar is being brought in this ayah again. Don't force them, don't bother them, don't bring any harm upon them. So that by fi'l ya bilqawl, you force them out of the house. By saying bad things to them, by torturing them, because you've divorced her, right? If you've divorced her, she has that right of that waiting period for her to be in that home in which she was divorced so that she can find a way of transition. Now, what is the husband doing? Either she gets kicked out of the house, which is haram. Or inside of the house where they're living, he's cussing her, he's beating her, or doing other types of things that Allah says, لا And another ayah, there's four, four or five places Allah uses the word darar. This is talking about rida'a. That when a man and a wife, they divorce, but they have a child that the man wants that child to be given milk. He wants a child to be fostered by that mother. So Allah says, لا تضار والدتم بوالدها That a mother, a woman, should not be forced that if she's sick or if she's incapable of breastfeeding that child, she should not be forced 
and harm should not be brought upon her. Rather, it is the responsibility of the husband that he has to do what? It's the responsibility of the husband that he has to pay for a foster mother to give milk to that child. And neither the man whose child that is should be forced. If he doesn't have that capacity, Allah says that the person who has the capacity, according to his capacity, he has to take care and give money to that child, not beyond his capacity. So look at these four verses of the Quran. This is talking about in marriage relationship. At the time of divorce, you're not supposed to do darar upon somebody. You're not supposed to bring harm upon somebody. At the time of when you're separating and now you want, I want my child to be you know, breastfed. I want my child to be fostered. Right? You can't bring harm upon that woman if she's sick or if she doesn't have milk. You have to pay. Don't put her through that, 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 that trouble. La tudara walidatun That woman should not be troubled. Now it's your responsibility to hire someone that will give milk to that child. Look at the system of Islam, my dear brothers and sisters. Look at the system of Islam. Where the word darar is being used in the Quran? At the time of divorce. The time when you want to give most darar, most harm. You want to inflict pain. Inflict as much punishment as you can. Take half, alimony, child support. Sl slap them with everything. But Allah is teaching us, no. Darar, the intention of bringing harm upon somebody, even if it's at that time, is not allowed. If only we would follow the way of the Qur'an. If only we would follow the divine laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how much justice there would be in our communities, in our societies, in our relationships, in our lives. But because we follow the cult of the self, shahawat and shubuhat and nafsaniyat, all the nafs, this is what we follow. Our desires, revenge, debtor, hit them with everything you got. Take them to court. Take everything he has. Right? And this is what, what is encouraged. But Allah Azza wa Jal says, لا ضرر ولا ضرار. Don't, don't inflict punishment and harm upon others because this is, this is wrong. This is not the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa May Allah give us tawfiq to understand what has been said.